0: This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Happy, happy new year. Happy new year to you. I hope you're having a great 2023. Much happening. In a few moments, we'll catch up with Michael Volpe. Boy, I tell tell you, I really respect that guy. Michael Volpe, V-O-L-P-E, investigative journalist. He focuses a lot of his work around how messed up our court system is, especially for families um, and around uh, custody, a custody and, uh and uh, divorces and things. He's just an interesting man and he's got a piece. Uh, we're going to talk about that, about uh, um, the a battle down in Texas, a uh, family, uh, unfortunately a husband and wife split. Um, and as to their um, very young child, uh, mom took the child to California and wants to transition. Uh, I think a boy to a girl and dad is saying in Texas, wait a second, uh, we shouldn't do that. He's only five or six years old. And and anyway, it's a, digging into the details. Michael Volpe will do that. And we'll also talk with Ted Malik. <laughs> Ted Malik's got some predictions for 2023, 13 bold ones. We'll talk with him. But first, what you need to know today, uh we're all watching and I'm uh, I'm I'm doing this uh uh I'm recording this a little bit ahead of time because I'm actually up on Capitol Hill and uh we're watching uh the a battle over who will be speaker of the house and uh and we're watching that and suddenly there are 19 in the first two uh, rounds of voting for the speaker there were 19 members who uh stood up and said no to Kevin McCarthy, the obvious choice, quote unquote obvious after all this time. Um here's what I want to tell you, Here's a takeaway, what you need to know. A few, a few can do it. A few can do it. What do I mean? A few people can do it. Now, a few people will often turn into many, so that's part of the trick here, but a few can do it. I went up on Capitol Hill early on Tuesday this week, and I visited with some folks, and they told me the earliest reports that there were five People who opposed business as usual in the Republican Party and therefore having to vote for McCarthy, five Republicans in the House said no. But then there was another document that had nine, and it wasn't clear if there was now nine or fourteen, maybe fifteen. Well, when they started voting, there were nineteen, and only if they're. If they're if by the way, if Kevin McCarthy only lost four votes, they, he couldn't win. Here's my point: something has happened over the last two months, and the American people remembered that a few can do it. What you need to know is a few can do it. Whether we're talking about a few, Sam Adams and the guys, you know, started forming, uh, committees. That they, they started putting together, uh, meetings and they were, and they, it wasn't a lot. In fact, at the time they were, um, uh, only a few and people were discarding them, disc, uh, discounting them is the word. Sorry. Um, people were saying, Oh, yeah, you no, know, it's Sam Adams, you know, it's his, uh, it's his crew and, and don't worry about them. And they, they were having these meetings. Town meetings was a big meeting, but then they were starting to circulate, uh, the circular letters and it became, the kind of um uh, an early the the meetings, a few. I, I'm, I'm reminded of Phyllis Schlafly when she started her battle against the ERA. Everybody was for it. Everybody was for it. I mean, everybody. Uh, they voted passed the the ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment, passed the House with like five votes against it. Passed the Senate with like one or two votes against it. I might be getting those wrong, but but it's close to that. Everyone, and there was only a few. That decided they couldn't take it, they weren't going to stand a few mostly Phyllis Schlafly and a few of her friends, mostly moms uh excuse me housewives, and they stood up and did it. A few can do it, a few can do it and here's the last here's the thing I want to tell you is um there is something too also going on right now that people have decided uh that they're not going to take business as usual so I was having this conversation uh, earlier today with a friend of mine, and I was saying that for a long time, people gave uh, Mitch McConnell, the senator from Kentucky, some leeway because he had actually been – um uh, instrumental in blocking uh, Merrick Garland from taking the Supreme Court seat of uh, Justice Scalia, the late Justice Antonin Scalia, and that Mitch McConnell, in an incredible act of political uh, strate- uh, st- strategy, uh, immediately when Justice Scalia passed away, um, Mitch McConnell said, we're not going to replace him. And he held the line and he held his caucus. He held the Senate caucus together. And I think it contributed mightily to the win by Trump, uh, Donald Trump, in 2016, because people looked up and said, "Someone's going to fill that seat." Justice Scalia and Republicans and conservatives and normal Americans said, "I'd rather have Trump do it than Hillary." I think that was a huge deal. But some something happened in the last month or so, and the the American people, not just one, not just one or two or three, but many, uh, many people joined the few that were sick of it. A a few people were sick of the spending, sick of the insider deals, sick of it all. A few. They were making some noise, some of it here on the show, some of you all. And now more and more have joined. The few have turned into many. And, and the, you can see it, whether it's Ronna McDaniel, who was supposed to just get, you know, uh, coronated to get crowned as, as head of the RNC again. She's having problems. And that's coming up in the next few weeks. Kevin McCarthy, who had raised tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, uh, over a hundred million dollars. Let me say it right. And he was supposed to be crowned speaker and Mitch McConnell, who every day is getting more and more attention negatively from the people, from we, the people. My point here is first that a few can do it. What you need to know is a few organized can do it. And the few, why does it work? Because the few turns into many. And it's a little bit like that video, if you've seen it, the man dancing, one man dancing on the hill. And there's this crazy guy dancing on a hill, really outgoing, kind of looks like a hippie guy. And after about, uh, I don't know, 30 seconds, uh, maybe a minute, a second guy joins him. And after about another minute, a third guy. And pretty soon, pretty quickly after the third guy, a bunch of guys join. And the argument, the discussion by, uh, you know, a business, uh, by analysts and things is it's that first man that makes the lone guy go from one to two that makes a difference. I don't know. I don't care. I can tell you that a few can do it. And once a few are dancing with some energy, more people come. And in this environment, more and more people, more and more of we, the people uh, want to join. So, very interesting times, exciting times, more to come. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Michael Volpe and also with our old friend Ted Malik in 2023. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. Thanks for being here. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily email there, uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Be right back. Ed Martin on the Pro America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a pro America report and time to catch up with our old friend Michael Volpe. I talked to him in the uh, last year and we're in the new year here and he is still hard at work. I think just a know, day into the new year, he emailed me and said, Hey, Ed, are you watching this uh, story? Come over here and look at this. There's some things you need to look at. If you go to his sub stack, it's michaelvolpe.substack.com. Michaelvolpe.substack.com. It's V O L P E. And uh, he it's called Michael Volpe Investigates Investigative Journalism. At its best, he digs into a lot of different things. So, welcome back, Michael. Happy New Year to you. How are you? Happy New Year. So this story that you flagged for me, um, Texas Supreme Court, we all saw this um, uh, come up a few months ago. The Supreme Court was wading into um, Jeff Younger, who was fighting for his son, um, young son, by the way, and saying, hey, wait a second. Um, Just because his mother seems to think it'd be good for him to transition to being a girl named Luna. I don't think that's good. Tell us where. First of all, tell us a little bit more about the story. Story and where it is now with the Supreme Court of Texas getting involved.
2: Right. So first of all, even though Texas is a red state, uh, there's m- plenty of blue areas and it appears that Mr. Younger wound up in front of a pretty liberal judge. Uh, I think Brown is her last name before he got to the Supreme Court uh-huh. and he kept losing uh, every time his custody case, not maybe every single time, but even though his ex-wife uh, who's a doctor herself was insistent that their son really wanted to be a girl. Um, they, the court constantly sided with her, gave her custody. I believe she even got, uh, legal custody, which allows her to make most of the decisions. However, the court stopped short of allowing her to actually transition, James, like, chemically or, or to go to the doctor in transition but he would wear dresses she would call him by the girl's name treat him like a girl in order to do the final step both parents have to agree obviously the dad was saying no that was the crux of the argument And I watched a hearing in 2021 in this case and the way the mom explained it was well, when my son was 3 years old he said he wanted to pretend to be a girl and by the time he was 5 he said he wanted to stop being pretending And that seemed to be enough for her to say, well, then he must want to be a girl. And the court went along with this. And and we've talked about this before. They appointed a bunch of different people to the case to make a lot of money. They called it a high conflict. It was all nonsense. This whole thing comes down to two parents. One of them wants to keep the boy a boy. One One of them wants to turn the boy into a girl. And the court has been siding with her she moved to california yeah
1: that's what i was going to say that uh, clarify that part she moved to california and so now she's uh, we're talking about state court here it's not federal court so she's in he's in the father the the father the ex-husband father is in texas uh uh, state court saying wait we were married here we lived here i don't know if they were married there but we lived here uh and then she moved to california has she escaped the jurisdiction it looks like texas is saying no but i mean that's a that's a tough uh uh road to hoe too isn't it
2: so the key here is that california passed a law that went into effect i think on the first of january where they will not honor another state's court order if that court order blocks the parent from transitioning their child And so that, I believe, is why she moved to California. And I've read a lot of different stuff since this case has come out. And no one's talked about this. I want to... I'm not an attorney. Right. But I do believe that what California do- is doing violates what's called the UCC, JEA. It's the Uniform I think, Child Custody Jurisdiction Enforcement Act. Basically, what that says is a court order in any one of our jurisdictions has to be honored by every jurisdiction. And that seems to be being violated by California. Um, and it is. Uh, this is something people should know. If you get involved in child custody, you can't technically move without the permission of the court. She has moved. The the dad tried to block the move. It went all the way to the Texas Supreme Court, and the Texas Supreme Court said it's fine for her to move. We have this court order. Don't worry about it. Nobody's going to transition the boy. We're about to find out. She's in California, and California uh, has this law, and it uh, So, 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 so Michael. So, so,
1: so Michael. We're talking Michael Volpe, and again, I encourage you to go to. I'm looking at it right now while we're talking. His uh, Substack, as there's a ton of stuff there. Investigative reporter Michael Volpe. But so let, let let's put a, a fine uh, point on this. What you're saying is there is a law in California that was passed and signed by the governor that said our courts, our state courts, uh, will not honor any rulings from other states if those rulings block. Uh, transition, in other words, um california's law the what passed and was signed says we uh, know better as to transition when you're in our state you can't do that so if you come to california for example with a an order from texas that says um for here's an example how about this one um texas order that says dad should pay a thousand dollars a month uh, in child support and so you take that order from texas you go to california you can present it to a california court and the california court will say you got to pay right i mean that there's a way Correct. people can and that's that's Somewhat common, or it's common in law to be able to
2: present it. and that's the UCCJEA. Yep, because so you don't. The, I, and that makes ahead. sense. You don't yeah. want like right. different courts to say you you held a custody trial. There's the custody. We don't care. Let's hold another one. Right. Right. Uh, so right. you don't want that. And California seems to have done this out And again, I'm not kind of a lawyer, but it does seem to violate this UCCJEA. So. It, if I was Jeff, I would take this to the Supreme Court and make that argument. The U.S. Supreme Court. The U.S. Court. Supreme Court. But wait, this, right. but, but and, let me back either, up, Michael.
1: Michael, let me back up one second because yeah. I want to be clear. This UCC, you're talking about a federal law, that right? That, try, that tries. So here's the interesting problem. I think, Michael, you and I have talked a lot about where we see that the the um, family courts, local courts get out of control, and there's this kind of balance. If you're a conservative, you say, hey, wouldn't it be good if someone would come in and say, you you can't do that to this family and yet on the other hand we kind of say wait do i really want the guys in washington dc and the gals in washington dc to decide in this case there is this uniform law federal law that says states ought to work together and honor each other's rulings otherwise we have full-on chaos and um, and so but in this case california it appears and again we're not neither one i am a lawyer but i'm not playing one here i'm not giving legal advice to to this gentleman or, or, or anybody else but I'm, we're describing what we see and and what we think we're seeing is Texas trying to control its, you know, blueness and saying, we're going to let anybody transition that wants to. We don't care what a red state says. I mean, it feels like that's what that is to me, simplifying it.
2: Correct. Except you meant California. What did I say? Correct. What, what did I and, say? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and they didn't say we won't honor any court order on anything for child custody, just this specific thing. It, it makes it like a like a transitioning amnesty, if you will. Uh, And so, look, it's not over. Uh, One thing people should understand, the state of Texas was only deciding whether or not this mom could move to California. And as I said, she won almost everything. So I don't think it's a surprise that they let her move to California. So they weren't deciding whether or not she can or can't transition him because they're saying, well, we have a court order. She can't transition him. Uh, and, and I know Mr. Younger made the argument, but look at the law. If you let her move there, this is what she's going to do. Um, but it's not over. I, I'm, I'm sure it's going to continue to be litigated and it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, Michael, um, back to this overarching question, because I
1: think it's you, you have such a you have your investigations and your writing uh, has covered a lot of this. Um a lot of the abuse that we see happens at the, the state level, right, or even local in terms of the, the, the impact on families. And mm-hmm. um, and so, when we talk about, like, I, I'm trying to remember the case you and I talked about a few months ago where we said, you know, this would be a kind of case that would ignite reform. I mean, be careful what you hope for. We, we, we don't want the feds to come up with policy because it's almost certainly going to become, if not start, very, very uh, unhelpful, I think, to the values right. that we hold dear. So, In this case, however, we're at least we're seeing the contrast. What's the what is the Texas um, you mentioned the Texas different parts of the states are blue. The Supreme Court's pretty red, though, right? Or pretty conservative.
2: Correct. But as I said, she seems to have won everywhere. The the only thing the Texas Supreme Court said is we're not going to stop her from moving to California. So I don't know if that's a conservative or liberal issue, uh, but yeah, what the Texas Supreme Court said is we'll uphold the lower court ruling that allowed her to move and keep her. You can move anywhere you want. You you just can't expect to keep the same custody arrangement if you do. Uh, and in this case, she has. Yeah. Uh, though, as I said, th- th- there's a court order in Texas that specifically bars her from actually doing the chemical part without the, the approval of Dad, which she'll never get. So... Um she's about I presumably, uh if, if Mr. Younger knows his ex wife, she's about to violate that court order, and we'll see what happens when she does.
1: Um we're talking with Michael Volpe. Michael, real quick, another uh uh, uh on your uh, uh Substack, michaelvolpe.substack.com. I I I tracked this article um about a Google executive. We're talking about California courts. <laughs> One of the a former Google executive, a big uh uh tech guy, um went kind of heavily into uh the courts based on his own interests, which uh, you know, again, I don't it's not that's not against the law. It's just a matter of understanding what uh what is happening. Walk us through what you found in this investigated piece.
2: I, I'm- i'm glad you asked me about this alan thigerson who was like one of the top 10 executives at google he now is the ceo of DocuSign. his son chris has i guess what you'd call a one-night stand or a two-night stand with a woman named kayleen wing she gets pregnant chris pressures her while she's pregnant to get an abortion wants nothing to do with that child that child is born he's nowhere near that child Four months into the child's life, they walk into a San Francisco County court of a judge named Richard Darwin get a protective order that allows him to also get sole custody. And it gets even crazier. At the moment that order was signed, Kayleen and her son were in Utah. They then hire a criminal attorney named Doug Rappaport who works with multiple DAs. And now she's facing... Well, now she's...
1: You, you cut out for a second. I got you, though. Got you back for a second. But she, I, I, I was reading this piece and I got down to this and I and I didn't even understand how um, uh, she was what she what she was facing. So uh, Rappaport is this um, anyway, uh, um, uh, Kayleen is now uh, charged with crimes. Is
2: that right? She is. For like cyber stalking, and oh, one oh. in one example, and in another uh, jurisdiction, they claim that she forged a subpoena. Mm. And uh, the, the the charges not only are they bogus, but there's no way there she would is, have been charged yeah. with any of it if not for the influence of not Chris I, Ferguson, because he's like 25, of uh, his dad, Alan, and his dad. the The mom is also a powerful figure in that area. But I talked really with a woman named Susan Bassey who does a lot of work in this area and she told me that she has found that current and former executives of a lot of big tech companies from PayPal, Facebook, Microsoft, all the companies you know they often are able to manipulate the courts in those areas that San Francisco County, Marin County in the Silicon Valley area so they are using those courts as their personal playpen to destroy their exes, get custody arrangements they shouldn't be getting Uh, And keep in mind, Sergey Brin, one of the founders of Google is right now going through a divorce and custody case. So that might be playing out as we speak. Well, and and just to be clear,
1: um, this is a version of what I think has uh, a, a, I call it lawfare, right? Uh, using the legal system to to further whatever your you know we call warfare, but um and and it's um it's become more and more common, uh, or maybe I'd say it differently. We've become aware of it more and more. Perhaps it was always going on, but it certainly it certainly feels more blatant and more obvious, and less people aren't even shamed by it. They just go ahead and do it, and uh, and and they in this case when you. Watch through these uh, facts. It's like huh, this woman, um, she, you know, she in a different era, she would have been shunned, I suppose, by the moneyed class, right? And she would have had her mm-hmm. life uh, destroyed. In the, instead, where she should be able to get uh, help in the courts, she's finding herself i don't know—shunned is the wrong word, but certainly at the disadvantage uh, profoundly. So, uh, you know, I, more and more, Michael, I know you and I've talked about it. The the reality of. The selective prosecution, the selective enforcement of laws against individuals, people are more and more aware of it. They're more and more troubled by it. Again, maybe it was always like this. Now we're aware of it, but it's very troubling.
2: It is. And this guy, Doug Rappaport, charges $800 an hour. Chris isn't charged with any crimes. Who in the world can afford to hire a lawyer, not because you're facing any criminal charges, but to get criminal charges placed on someone else? Yeah. uh yeah, Only people with an awful lot of juice, or as we call it in Chicago, cloud. And, uh, <laughs> and as I said, Chris, it's his dad and his mom, who are very powerful people. But yeah, this should be terrifying. These two had a couple of dates. She got pregnant. Next thing you know, they're moving the son from one parent to the other, and she's being charged with crimes. Crimes that she she has a history of this like kind of harassing online behavior, but. She wouldn't have been charged with cyber with, with cyber stalking had it not been for the intervention of this powerful family. Yeah, and that's it the is, key. If you yeah. have enough juice, you can get anything done. Apparently,
1: it appears to be uh, certainly worrying. All right, Michael Volpe, as always, uh, so thought provo- provoking, um, so interesting. Michael Volpe investigates is his Substack. If you go to Michael Volpe dot stack dot com, V O L P E, a lot of there there. Thanks, Michael. We'll talk again soon. Any time. All right, we'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. I'll put both of those uh, links to both of those stories we discussed up on uh, my social media. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. It wouldn't be the new year if we weren't checking in with Ted Malik, Theodore Roosevelt Malik, our friend who is a prolific writer, uh, used to be a prolific writer of books, many books, and he was a, a lecturer. Now he's writing two, sometimes three columns a week, it seems. And we're into the new year, and he's still at it. Uh, the newest one over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, 13 big predictions for 2023. First of all, welcome uh, into the new year, Ted Malik, Happy New. New year to you, sir. Thank you for being on.
3: Thank you. It's good to be um, with
1: you. It, it is. Um, I thought the first one made me. First couple made me smile. I mean, you know, if you don't know politics and follow things, you, people think, oh yeah, Hunter Biden, you know, be arrested, and uh, and uh, what's his name, uh, Bankman-Fried, will be, you know, will be in in deep trouble. Um, I, I like the line in the in one of the these are twelve and thirteen of your predictions. Crime pays. <laughs> if you uh, if you wanted to, I, it, it feels like that uh, is true on at least on those.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, some of these things, while they're tongue-in-cheek, are also true, so...
1: Yeah, so I was mentioning to you off the air, we're talking again with Ted Malick, that I was up uh, on Capitol Hill earlier this week and I was talking to folks about what's going on and a couple of things. One is, a lot of conservatives uh, that I know uh, gave uh, some um, leeway to Mitch McConnell because he held the line on the um, Scalia appointment years ago, 2015, 2016, I guess it was 2016, You -hmm. know, when Scalia died and, and he basically held that. People, I think, sort of, gave some leeway there i think people um you know sort of uh i don't know didn't um didn't sit in judgment necessarily for the last couple years in the leadership of kevin mccarthy um there's other examples here um one of them being the rnc you do make a prediction about this the republican national committee suddenly the energy amongst a big chunk of conservatives is throw these rhinos throw the bums out and it's it, it feels to me ted i'm being i'm, I'm not I'm not joking it's about a month or two maybe it was the 1.7 trillion dollar spending yeah, bill maybe it's the prospect of power but people just suddenly are like you know i've had enough throw them out and i think everyone from ronna mcdaniel to mitch mcconnell to kevin mccarthy is going to feel that
3: well hopefully i've contributed somewhat to that feeling <laughs> but um yeah, I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a Trumpian phrase, but, um, you know, people are they're sick and tired of the swamp. Um, and, you know, I heard Chip Roy's speech this morning, it, you know, it was, uh, I empathized with it greatly, you know. We're here to do something, and it's not just past these $1.7 trillion bills that cave in on everything. So, um Yeah.
1: uh, We're talking Ted Mao. Ted, in one of your predictions, and it's pretty bold. And you, you know, you're an early guy. You wrote a book about Trump. You uh, and you Mm -hmm. say uh, on the Republican side, Trump is fading faster than
3: Santa after Christmas. He would you pick say, that, yeah. he would pick that line out of all these wonderful lines
1: <laughs> yeah yeah well that's that's i mean that's, as,
3: that's as, that
1: you, you know you're not a guy that has particularly had to pull your punches but there it is and you say mm-hmm. ron DeSantis will win the primaries and be the republican nominee that's you, you feel that
3: now i think it's evident that the money's behind him swing is that way yeah did you get your trading cards <laughs>
1: NFT, you know, I didn't get them. I didn't get them, and, uh, and I, I did, I did, I did, I did. I had a guest last week, Ted, on the show, who's one mm-hmm. of these uh, blockchain crypto guys, and actually was talking about NFTs. And he did concede um, whether you think he can win anything or not. Trump sold them out fast. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he, he still can sell stuff. All right, here's a, here's another two two predictions dog Ted Malik. One is mm-hmm. aliens will invade us. You're talking about the border, but right after that, another one, a different one, that the culture is so debased and evil and plain pornographic and i'm not i shouldn't pair them together i don't mean to do that in a way but um but the language is i i I guess i want to ask you about the culture you you point to hbo i haven't seen this series white lotus but i've seen a lot of other stuff it it really is it's
3: terrible you could you could click on anything it doesn't matter what you click on hbo and netflix you know you name it go to the movies it's all the same
1: yeah, and uh, and and it's um, is it is it related when you go down? And you say Europe will be near collapse. It, it,
3: Europe is in collapse. They they're ahead of us on this cultural. Yeah, problem. no, they're a good decade ahead of us. They, they've they've run this course. Yeah they're you know more secular more radical more, more debased
1: <laughs> yeah well, i mean that's yeah. right um all right but another one trust at an all-time low you know again yeah. t- ted malik um you were you've written books you've taught courses on the economy and on mm-hmm. on how uh, e- economies work in a large part they work on trust america uh our systems work on trust e- e- i agree with you trust is an all-time low all we'll gone,
3: all gone. Yep. yeah so politicians happened- are just above zero i do like this line. I just reread this. Uh, uh, life is rotten and not just in Denmark. But to be fair to them, the Belgians actually <laughs> measured the least happy place on earth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't say I've been to either Belgium or Denmark to judge, but but it's but it but is but but wait, but wait a second. Is I mean, some of this is Ted Malick. Uh, you know, kind of your mm-hmm. satire, satiric edge. You mm-hmm. kind of enter it into, and you're sort of buffeted along. It's like one of those rides at an amusement park. You're like one of those, uh, like a log flume with lots of tunnels and things. So I'm supposed to, but I life isn't really rotten, is it? Uh,
3: life isn't really rotten. That's a tough one. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, I reserve. <laughs> You know for goodness and optimism and <laughs> oh, geez, saying so. the rosary whatever you want to do yeah.
1: i, I yeah. gotta call i'll call you back then we'll have it we'll have you back on all right um now you did i did i think i skipped it we won't have nuclear war over the ukraine well that well that's stupid that's good news isn't it that there is you good. go that's that will let it, it's at just
3: least? we just averted it's fair yeah. <laughs> and then at the end i do say you know around december 23rd next year we'll you know the Civil War will end and Russia will take control of the Russian language parts of the Ukraine and the East. The Ukraine will not join, will join the EU, but not the NATO. And people say, well, wow, is this worth it?
1: Yeah, it uh, it is. Uh, right. OK. Um, the uh, how about how about while we're recording this, we, we don't even know. Will, will the Republicans pick a speaker as a prediction?
3: Yeah, that could happen in 2023. Uh, I was saying, uh, doing a little research, it was uh, 1856, the last time this uh, kind of uh, precedent took place. It took 133 votes to come up with a speaker. I mean, some people say Trump should be speaker. I heard somebody on Vox News this morning say Tyrus should be speaker. I personally think it'll be... Someone like Steve Scalise, but then, you know, what do I know?
1: Yeah, well, I think here's what I think. I think that uh, the Republicans should someone should get up and say, I'll nominate Trump if he'll agree to do that instead of running for president. (laughs) And and, then Ron DeSantis will instruct all the Florida guys to vote for it. And, you know, and and uh, Pompeo and others. All right. More. Maybe I'm going to go with the one that I think you have the most credibility on and oh, that is just second your second prediction of these of the uh, of the all these 13 is, uh, is 13 big predictions for 2023 Ted Malik over in American Greatness dot your second is uh, the economy it no. it will retract further and and enter and fall into a deeper recession it, how it, like, i like i ted i'm being serious now it doesn't feel that bad right now it feels mm-hmm. odd and strange and inflation is too high it doesn't feel that bad is it going to get bad
3: well you make too much that's the first point <laughs> Second, <laughs> yeah a lot of people are deciding you know whether to heat uh, their house or to have dinner so that's going to get worse Recession, negative growth, all four quarters, inflation uh nine, nine and a half percent. Dow Jones, I don't know if people follow this anymore. Um, you know, no huge crash, but basically um, no growth. Tightening. The Fed keeps tightening, everything gets more expensive, your credit card goes out of, you know, can't buy a house. Uh, It's pretty dismal I mean, economics is a dismal science I I, I mean, what I take away from this Something I wrote about, you know, 15, 20 years ago Is that Americans uh, are going to realize At some point later in this year That we have to go on a diet And balance our budgets both public and private And that uh, therefore thrift may see a resurgence
1: well, I hope so. Although, boy, I tell you, even at Christmas, you watch the Christmas consumption. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you watch the, the just yeah. the number of times I saw that Amazon truck r- ripping around the neighborhood, are you know, all over the place. It's incredible. Um, the uh, uh, Ted um, one one prediction I didn't see in there. Does Biden run again?
3: Yeah, I, I said that he runs, and his bio, which is totally fictitious, is problematic, and he gets challenged. Six people will challenge him, canceling each other out. And the cackler-in-chief will, in in effect, become the next nominee. I don't say next president, next nominee, because she is uh, the Obama girl.
1: Wow holy cow Oh, there it is yeah sorry that was number 11 i missed that yeah. one okay all right so the cackler in chief you really uh you 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 got in the new year in a in a state all right i was well, going yeah yeah you were yeah. going hard all right ted malik everybody i'll put it over on uh social media thank you as always ted for writing 13 big predictions for 2023 dot greatness.com thanks ted
3: and my next article I'll oh let good. You know. oh yeah yeah this is everybody wants know. yeah everybody wants to know yep go ahead You're looking for this in the next week the Death of Wall Street
1: oh, wow, the death of wall I think you're I think the way by the way, I will say this, Ted, in all this craziness of this conversation that I think you're right I, the one thing I said people first of all, you said, is anybody paying attention to the to the uh, Dow Jones industrial uh, you know they, people I think people have stopped tracking it the same way but i think it does reveal right that it'll be stagnant but the uh what is yeah. it called the death of wall street is that the next one
3: death of wall street it's, it's a very serious article
1: okay As yeah. always, why, yeah. why
3: would anyone invest in companies if there were no longer any possibility for economic growth
1: Hmm. All right. Ted Malik, everybody. Thank you, Ted. We'll talk again next week. With Ted Malik over at AmericanGreatness.com, and uh, I'll put it up on social media. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment.
0: This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. President Joe Biden and his leftist administration
1: have weaponized the Department of Justice for their own political purposes And to an intolerable extreme, the incoming Republican-controlled House of Representatives should end this abuse by defunding the DOJ. The latest of many political atrocities by the DOJ was the rushed announcement of the appointment of a special prosecutor with unlimited funding to harass Donald Trump and his supporters. Defunding the Department of Justice is the only effective way to stop its insatiable political desire to remove Donald Trump from the 2024 campaign. The naming of this special prosecutor, who was not even made available for the public announcement, was obviously rushed for political gain. Donald Trump had declared his candidacy for president merely three days earlier, as the late returns from the midterm election assured that the GOP has a majority in the House of Representatives. Already there is Republican talk of defunding the special prosecutor himself, but this is not enough. DOJ would simply continue to bring abusive prosecutions through its regular staff of highly partisan attorneys, as the DOJ had already done in raiding Trump's residence in Mar-a-Lago. The political wrongdoing by the DOJ has reached a crescendo, and it cannot be cured by the committee hearings that House Republicans are planning. Don't confuse a move to defund the DOJ with the leftist movement to defund the police. Trust of local law enforcement is built on the fact that law enforcement is actually local. We want agencies that live within the communities they police, that understand the unique dynamics of these communities, and are accountable to these communities for their actions. Obviously, we also want local law enforcement agencies that target the kinds of crime that harm local citizens. The DOJ does not fit any of these crucial criteria. The best way to rein in the Department of Justice is for Congress to cut their funding until they stop wasting taxpayer dollars going after their political opponents while turning a blind eye to real crimes like the drug trafficking and sex trafficking that flows across our southern border.
0: This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At PhyllisSchlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to PhyllisSchlafly.com. That's PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
1: Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Hey, we'll have some, I'll spend some more time later in the week. Uh, but let me say a few words about, um, Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict, who was, um, his name before he became Pope was Cardinal uh Joseph Ratzinger, Joseph Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, a Bavarian uh theologian who spent a couple of decades working in um in Rome in the Vatican with uh, Pope John Paul II, well known as uh the uh, head of the Congregation uh for the Doctrine of the Faith, um and uh amazing guy, but here's my quick story on this, just got a couple minutes and I'll talk more about this as we get closer. His the funeral for Cardinal Ratzinger uh, for Pope Benedict uh will be I believe uh, Thursday of this week and his uh, body is lying in state uh in St. Peter's Basilica in Rome in the Vatican right now uh this week but um in 1997 1997- uh, I was invited to attend the uh, month-long what's called Synod of Bishops. Synod is a word for sort of a congress, a uh, convention, if you will. It's a meeting of uh, of of interested parties, uh, the Synod of Bishops for America, this was. And there were a couple hundred bishops from all over North and South America and a few non-bishops, myself being one of them, um, a, a professor, a couple professors, a couple others, a couple uh, nuns, and myself. And I was the expert. I was called an expert for youth because I was a young man at the time, and um so I was there and I participated in all the aspects of the uh, Synod of Bishops, although the bishops were the ones that were having the convention, the, the conference, the synod. But there were small group breakout sessions on different topics, on topics about how the church was working, on the liturgy, on young people, on education. And our small group, of which I was a part and probably met about 10 times over the five weeks, four and a half weeks, included... Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, and he came to the meetings. Um, as I recall, he came about half the time, but I didn't attend all the meetings either because you have meetings all day, and then you have small group meetings. But more than once, I can picture them in my head. We, I would end up in this small group, maybe 15 people with Cardinal Ratzinger. And here's the thing. Um, he was very, very kind. At the time, he was already, I think, I think of him as an old man. He died at 95 over the last week or so. Um, so I guess that's true. He was in his seventies already. Um, but he was an older man, gray haired, and he was very quiet, but he was very quiet, but everybody knew who he was, Cardinal Ratzinger. And when he spoke, he was still soft, soft spoken, but he had great authority. People leaned in to listen to him. Um, and he was, not funny, not witty in the way like Pope John Paul II was or others were sort of like I am. He was sort of quieter and more serious, more Germanic, um, but he was very, very nice and very, very pleasant and very uh, kind of peaceful, um, even docile, actually. Uh, but rest in peace. He lived a heck of a life, amazing life. Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger. I'll talk more about him later in the week. i got to run, though. I'm out of time. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great uh, producer, and uh, Ryan Hyde, associate producer. Be back. Be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you later. This
0: is the Pro-America Report.